One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Hello, and welcome- Oh, wait, no, it's your turn. Never no, mind. it's my turn. <laughs> it's my turn. We even had- You even said, like, five times, let me figure out who's starting. It's force of habit. It's okay. I, I understand. I do the opening for two out of three podcasts. Two and a half out of three. It's okay. I, I'm i not razzy. I'm just saying, give me my time in the spotlight. <laughs> let me be appreciated for once in my life. Okay, Rachel. I mean, look. <laughs> At some point... Oh, did I... Since this is already recording, I now can admit this and you can choose to include it or excise it as need be. Um, when I was last home, I found a bunch of photos from high school and scanned them into my computer, which means I now have photographic evidence of me dressing up as Rachel Berry for Halloween of 2010. Good God, Yes. <laughs> tell you what when this by the time this episode drops i'll actually have gone through and like cropped my scans and i'll have that available i also have a whole whole bunch of photos that i took when i went to the glee live tour (laughs) and and photos that i took over the course of my watching of glee of me just taking pictures of literally every single gold star that i came across including one in ed debevix in chicago so are you telling me that you dress as a grandma and a toddler at the same time uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, I will st- I will go ahead and res- ent- start actually start the episode now. <laughs> actually, I've forgotten how to start the episodes. <laughs> it's been you so long say since where I we st- are. Okay. <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff this show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Hey everyone, and welcome to Loser Like Me, a podcast where we 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 sub- we submit ourselves to the saga of watching Glee again. My name's Christina. Hi, I'm Tanner, and I look like a sad clown hooker. Tanner, please, you're at least a happy clown hooker. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, it's um, ugly. I. Uh, here's here's an admission when you were tweeting yesterday about watching the episode for today i was try i for the love of god could not remember which episode came first hairography or once upon a mattress <laughs> i was like i was like okay which one which one comes first and i couldn't remember because your your tweet was something to the effect of like, oh, Glee's so good when it's goofy. And I was like, but that's both of them. That's both <laughs> of the episodes. This clues me into nothing. <laughs> Surprise, it's hair. It's an episode all about hair. Oh, please. It's an episode that's only vaguely about the concept of hair and hairography. <laughs> yeah. And distractions. 
Yeah, it's this episode is one where they do the thing again, where the thing they title the episode after is not it's not the A plot. It's it's maybe the B plot, if not even the C plot. See, it's a flashy title that catches your eye if you're just scrolling through the um the TV guide. Mm-hmm. That is that is very true. What's a hierography? It's like it's like when you whip your head around back and forth, but it's like you have epilepsy. It's like it's like when you get tased. Yeah. Yeah. We actually probably should actually talk about the episode so that, you know, people can understand what it is that we're that we're referring to. Yeah, right. So the episode starts with Sue telling Will that Well for the episode starts with the um starts with the here's what you missed on glee in which they recap every single plot element so far that's happened with quinn hiding the paternity of flat baby (laughs) and and they're like here's everything you need to know about the subplot and i'm like geez i wonder what's going to come up oh also um i i i'm the episode i'm editing is the one where we discover flat baby and i I realized it's not it's not Flat Baby because of Terry's fake bump. It's Flat Baby because Quinn got jostled and like a soda, the baby might come out flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, did you did you not remember that until now? No, because when we told Jake, I'm pretty sure we said it was because of Terry's situation. Oh, okay. Maybe. I don't know. Because I'm also in the middle of editing that episode. I got 20 minutes deep in it during my vacation because I knew it was going to be uh, a while. Yeah. But yeah, so Sue... The episode proper starts with Sue, and she shows up to Will, and she's like, for some reason I need your set list because of a subplot that I've already forgotten about. Like, bitch mm-hmm. me too, the fuck. Yeah. Um, she also, like, she slams a magazine in front of him and is like, I'm the best cheerleading coach of the decade, and I'm better than you. Now hand me my magazine back. Yes. Yeah. And during all of this, Will gets a little monologue about how he knows that Sue's up to something, and we get a wonderful cut to them doing choreography practice where he's teaching everyone and you know it's lots of you know like step ball saying lots of step ball change because that's the one that's the one dance term that they that the writers know about um and then Brittany's in the back corner and she's holding her cell phone up and she's filming it definitely because sue didn't tell her to do it yeah <laughs> and then will completely forgets the point of his monologue because Sue comes up to him in the hallway and asks for the names and zip codes of their competition in sectionals, and he tells her the accurate information immediately. And then he cuts over to Emma, and he's like, I think she's gonna send our uh, set list to sectionals. Mm-hmm. And Emma makes a really... Uh, what, what to me, as someone who is uh, not Muslim, felt like a really bad metaphor... It felt kind of sacrilegious to me because she says, if you can't take Muhammad to the mountain, take the mountain to Muhammad or to his house or something like that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a white Christian, but that feels like a bad saying to me. Yeah, I, I don't even know what she was trying to metaphor. But the point is that if Will's concerned that the other choirs are getting the set list from Sue, then they should ju- he should just visit them and ask them if they got the set list from, school- from Sue. Yeah. And he's like, that's a great idea, Emma, I love you. Anyways. No, he doesn't know that yet. He still has an episode and a half before he figures it out. That's true. Don't give him more credit than he deserves. <laughs> I will give Will zero credit. I will give Will as much credit as he gets in this episode, which is maybe point one. Yeah. 
Um, so then Will gets to go into uh, Jane Adams. What is it called? Like Jane Adams Reformatory School or something like that? It's it's called Jane Adams Academy, but it's like a reform yeah. school or something because it's it's explicitly a school for troubled young women to the point where you have to sign in and get metal detected like it's yes. a prison or yes. as I assume like a normal American public school. <sighs> See, I was thinking, like, airport security. <laughs> yeah, a normal American public school. <sighs> yeah, you're not wrong. And, of course, my note here is, like a white man, Will is shocked when he has to go through security and get scanned by the metal detector wand. Will is surprised by many things. Will has no concept of reality outside of fake Spanish and show choir. Yes. Um, so he's come to Jane Adams to meet with their show choir coach, uh, whose name is Hitchens, um, but I just refer to her in my notes as Coach Eve because she is an underused character. <laughs> yes, and she is played by Eve. Um, I call her Grace because her first name is Grace, but I don't know if that's ever said in the show. It's okay. just on the wiki. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, we first meet her. She's talking to one of her students named Aphasia, and she asks Aphasia why she rob- tried to rob a bank. And Aphasia says that's where they keep the money. And I agree with Aphasia. Yes, that is factually true. Will tries to interrupt the meeting because he's not used to how normal schools work, or any kind of school outside of William McKinley High School works, and he tries to interrupt her meeting, says like, hi, I'm Will Schuster, and then Aphasia walks out, and then Coach Eve says, give her, give him his wallet back, and he's like, oh, she's good. <laughs> it's like, okay, Will, you're not, you're not, in, you're not necessarily endearing yourself here, just because you, just because you failed the spot check. Yeah. Will's like, I'm concerned, like, this is going to sound silly, but I'm concerned that my maniacal cheerleader coach rival is leaking my Glee Club set list to you so that mm-hmm. you can defeat us at sectionals. And uh, coach, coach, Grace, Eve, coach, coach Eve says, you think that we're cheaters on top of already being criminals? <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I'm so glad that she immediately calls Will out for his yeah. bullshit and his privilege. Yeah, we should we should establish that this episode is not necessarily the most um tactful. There is no tact. There is zero tact. What the yes. fuck is tact? Yes. Uh, I know other writers who have tact and they're all cowards. I mean You're not necessarily <laughs> wrong. And when Will says like, oh like when when Will tries to dig himself out of the hole that he's put himself in uh, Coach E follows it up with, and besides, I already know that you guys suck because I had people watching your invitational. And then he's like, I apologize, and in recompense, please come use our auditorium so you have a, a practice space that isn't um, the rec yard. Yeah, it sucks. This is Ohio. They have weather. Wait, when is that said in the show? Is that said in this season? I forget. It, no, it's, it's this scene. Oh, okay, I f- it's it's when it's when Grace is telling them that they don't have an auditorium or costumes and they have to rehearse outside. This is Ohio. We have weather. I cannot believe that I missed that that iconic line. Uh, well, it's wild considering if you look at some of the exterior shots in episodes that are supposed to take place in January mm-hmm. or December, I don't think they do have weather in this no. Ohio. No, not in this Ohio. Um, and Grace also points out that uh, their choir, their glee club, is really the only thing that's h- making her girls feel good about themselves, and they needed a lot more than Will's group of privileged misfits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly what the club is. Yes, I vote we should rename them the Privileged Misfits instead of New Directions. <laughs> oh yes, it has been made so. So we get to cut from from them having 
a peacemaking coffee in Coach Eve's office to the McKinley High School Auditorium, where we get to hear Bootylicious. And was it sufficiently Bootylicious for you? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, my first note here is that none of these people are teens. <laughs> yeah, this is too, either this is too much twer- twerking for teens, or these are not teens. Yeah. Um, fun fact: According to the Glee, uh, the Glee fandom wiki, apparently most of the most of the students of Jane Addams are actually portrayed by people who have been on So You Think You Can Dance. That's actually a good chunk of the dancers on the show, just straight up. Oh yeah, I believe that. Because right, a, a lot of them will show up in Vocal Adrenaline, especially because Vocal Adrenaline is very dance heavy. Because the whole cast doesn't have completely fleshed out characters; it's just one frontman whenever they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's bootylicious. There's can, okay here. <laughs> Silver lining of this, Jane Addams Academy, the, you know the the school for troubled young girls who've been in and out of prison. It's mostly black, but it's not completely black. No. And so okay, good thing they didn't completely fall into stereotypes. Yes. <laughs> Although <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> you know, you know, you're in trouble when you have to say they only went for a mildly racist stereotypes instead of fully racist stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, 2009. Remember. <laughs> On the flip side, I imagine it would be worse if it was all white bad girls in the prison school and they were all twerking as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that would Listen. that that would that would just be appropriative. That that would be fully appropriative as, instead of just being mildly appropriative. <laughs> yeah, I f- I feel like just having them go up against the concept of Jane's Adams Academy was a lose lose situation right from the start. From the ground up, I feel like this is a bad idea, no matter how mm-hmm. you execute it, uh, yeah. because of all the identity stuff that you fall into when then you decide to just have a school like mm-hmm. this involved and stereotypes and cultural stuff and that and, yeah. and also the fact that I immediately want them to win more than New Directions does because they'll be fine next year. Yeah. yeah. But Jane Addams Academy deserves a little bit more pride than McKinley does. It's okay. Put it in your fic. No, I... I they they not mention because I if if Ryan Murphy can't do it right I sure as shit can't I know but I'm saying like nothing is preventing you from like putting a line in your fic about like hey Jane Adams is being super successful they've actually they just got redistricted so now they're not in the same sectionals as us they got redistricted but they've actually won nationals three times there you go we will get we will get to these uh, nationals winning dynasties at, at some point probably yeah. several times. Yes. But it'll come up when it's more relevant info. Also, this episode was not written by Ryan Murphy. It was written by... Uh, our spreadsheet says Bill DeElia. Or no, our spreadsheet says Ian Brennan. Okay, so... But that, that just, that's what shows to go. That Ryan Murphy may not have written this, but he certainly approved it. Mm-hmm. And Bill DeElia brought it to life. Yeah. So, um... The the rest of the number is, you know, it's 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 good. They get notably, they get like almost the entire musical number. It's not like cut short for the sake of the show or anything, which I appreciate. Yeah. Also, the- <laughs> I'm not super familiar with Bootylicious the song, which meant that I took particular note of the fact that a line in the song is, "I'm hoping that you can handle this jelly that I have." 
I especially noticed that it has the term cut a rug in there, which just seems completely out of place for the song. It's very anachronistic. Uh, but the, the point is, though, that Will cannot... Will was not ready for this jelly. No, he's 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 very nervous. He's he's sitting there and squirming like a worm on a fish hook. Though, so as we established last episode, Will is uncomfortable with anyone's jelly, especially teen jelly. Uh, but more importantly, yes. Rachel is an idiot, and she leans over and she says, Actually, Mr. Schuster, they're not that good. It's called hairography. They flip their hair yeah. back and forth, and you're distracted by the, from the mediocrity. I'm yes. sitting here like, listen, the dancing was great, so Rachel, you're you stupid. Rachel, you stupid! <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> singing, medium, but that's because they had the chamber choir there, and if they had actual singers doing like the actual solos in there, then it would sound really good, and then New Directions would lose. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'd like to note also that, like, when they, when Jane Adams finishes their performance, like, like, all the Glee kids, you know, like, they, they gradually clap and stuff. And Quinn, Quinn reaches over and she stops Finn from clapping from, for their performance. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, Quinn, honey, no. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a perfectly decent musical number. Yes. We get to then deal with Will trying to, um, Trying to figure out how he felt about that performance um, when he enters the classroom. I took note of how it's cute that uh, Santana and Brittany are, like, dancing together. And then Rachel, Mercedes, Puck, Quinn, and Artie are all talking together. They're talking together! Progress. Bare minimum progress. (laughs) Yes, bare minimum of progress, which is probably more on the actors than on the writers. Anyway, guess what? I have have the episode title, Tanner. (laughs) Is it just wig? It's just... Wig! <laughs> because Will brought wigs! Wigs! <laughs> he wants to teach the boys about, uh, he wants to teach everyone about hairography, and also now he wants them to perform the musical number Hair from the musical Hair, which is why he brought all of the boys wigs that look like they came generously from a thrift store. <laughs> he got them from the same retirement home that had the wheelchairs. Oh god. <laughs> These wigs, also haunted. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Haunted wigs. Um, <laughs> Will, Rachel asks Will if he thinks that this is a good idea, and he says, yes, it is. I'm a teacher. Shut up. <laughs> and then we get to have a, what what's a very funny and cute cut to the boys of Glee Club in their wigs. And... They're they're all have they're all just like so they're sitting there and they're so pleased with themselves and I that makes me happy. They're they're all just sitting there grinning like a bunch of golden retrievers, and then yeah. <laughs> Ar- and then Artie rolls into frame in a dreads in a dreadlock wig, and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, but <laughs> I mean, he already talks like a sassy black woman, so anyways, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Quinn. Let's have a Quinn moment. Can we have a Quinn moment, please? I love these Quinn moments. Yes. Quinn is debating if she wants to keep the baby or not, because last week she went from, like, none father material in her life to two father material in her life. And she doesn't know what to do with this. Except, uh, okay, here's here's the thing. Here's the deal. Remember remember when I fucking waxed poetic about how Quinn likes that, that Finn is being, like, so loving and romantic to her and uh, even though he got her kicked out of her parents house like she loves him and she's so glad that she picked him to be the father of her baby and we had a whole song and like a whole scene about how important it is that Quinn has picked Finn to be the father of the flat baby even though Puck is the bow dab we don't care about him because Puck's a bit of a dick do you mean literally last episode (laughs) 
Well, now Quinn has decided to completely flip a perspective on this, just ruining my thesis statement. Yeah, yeah. And the the whole thing, the, the whole impetus for Quinn's flip-flopping is that Puck stole a book for her from the bookstore on how to raise a baby on $5 a day. And then when she's not sure what to do about it, he says the two magic words, no pressure, which is great when Quinn is having so much anxiety right now and being pressured by everyone, but mostly Terry and Kendra. Yeah. <laughs> because we get we get a cutaway to them menacing her on what might have been the backseat of a car. That was a very wide backseat. I'm going to assume it was Kendra's backseat because it's wide enough yeah. for three people. Yeah, minivan. Um, she is having capital D doubts, especially when Kendra is like, as long as you don't drink rum-based drinks, you'll be fine. Our mom was super drunk all the time when she was pregnant with both of us, and we're fine. And Quinn looks over at her with, like, a side-eye that could cut metal. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, so she's- and then she's- she has her internal monologue while she watches, like, the the Glee Club just the, the vibe, ta- I guess. The, tab- the tableau of the Glee kids around the piano. Important question here. Was Puck playing heart and soul? If he wasn't, he's not a true choir kid. <laughs> the main thing I noticed that was Finn was doing the tiger claws to Arnie. Yeah, he was going he- rawr. He and Mike were being were being happy teenagers and making goofy faces at each other. And Quinn, Quinn decides that Puck doing his best dinosaur or tiger impression disqualifies him from being parent material, forgetting that making funny faces and noises at a baby is one of the quickest ways to stop them from crying. Yeah. Um, but then she's like, so, Quinn is hatching a cunning scheme. A cunning four to five person scheme. Yes, because Quinn has a lot of social prowess. So, so here's, here's the flowchart. So, Quinn needs to take Puck for a test drive, but she can't hang out with Puck unless Finn is distracted. The only person that could possibly distract Finn is Rachel, because they know they've got something going on there. But the mm-hmm. only way that Rachel could convincingly distract Finn, now that there's a baby in the situation, is if she got a makeover. And the most makeoveriest person in the club is, is Kurt. Kurt. <laughs> so she manifests beside him in the hall, and he's like, Kurt, we're not Kurt. friends. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt is wearing, like, a plaid suit, like, a plaid or very, very, like, I'm gonna say modernly checked suit jacket and a trilby. It is my favorite look of his so far. Yeah, that's fair. Kurt is the only man allowed to wear trilbies. Agreed. She says, hey, Kurt, what if you gave Rachel a makeover? And he's like, we're not friends, but also you have my interest. And she says, Rachel's wearing a pantsuit, and she needs to be fan- she needs to not be wearing a pantsuit for sectionals, but they'll be wearing costumes that will all be the same. <laughs> I, under- I understand that there is a certain th- there's a certain vibe that you can carry regardless of what you may be wearing costume wise, but like this I, I'm sorry. This is the this is the performance choir kid from high school that had to make a reappearance in the episode. You have to make you have to improve your outside, and then you can make your inside match your outside, and then make your outside recursively match your inside. Oh, the episode on the nose job is going to be so fun. Uh, uh, this is just we. There's no good way to segue into this. This is when we get to go see Will and Terry going to bed. 
Will tries to be like, I miss my wife and pet her hair. And she's like, don't touch me. She and puts she, pillow she moves the she moves like the body pillow size pillow between them. Yeah. Yeah. Will, imagine this is me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's and- like, uh, I feel so conflicted because Will wants to love me and I want to love him. But I have a fake baby inside of me, and so I need something to distract him. No, she does, him she with. doesn't have a fake. She has a fake baby outside of her. Yeah, she's like literally, literally. All this scene is they're in bed, and Terry has, I think, her only internal monologue, and it's like, I need to distract Will. But with what? Hair. And I'm like, it's. This is the point at which I realize that it would be interesting to like do an analytical retrospective of comparing Terry and Quinn's, like, character paths. Such as they are and were, and will be. Yeah, I mean, we can probably do this by the end of next season? Yeah, sounds good. We'll table it. Um, Makeover time. Time to wax Rachel's eyebrows. Yes. Wax on, wax off. Kurt says, you need something to distract from your personality. Most of the time I find it hard to be in the same room as you. Especially this one, which looks like where Strawberry Shortcake and Holly Hobby come to hook up. He's written that fanfic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd love to see Kurt's FFNet page. Oh, it'd be, it would be something. It's probably a very eclectic mix, much like my own. What if it was a lot of, like, Julie Andrews is your grandmother, like, Julie Andrews, par- like, grandparent to reader self-insert. <laughs> Prince- Princess Diary self-insert fanfiction. Then Mia found out that she had a secret long-lost brother, and his name was Kurt Hummel, and now Kurt Hummel <laughs> is also Princess of Genovia. See, I would read that. I think that would be fun. Uh, um, you know, once upon a time, there there was a declaration by either Anne Hathaway or Ryan Murphy that Anne Hathaway was going to guest star as Kurt's lesbian aunt, but it never happened. It's probably for the best. <laughs> No, I want Anne Hathaway to show up on Glee. I do. I'm just, I'm saying that it's maybe the best for Anne Hathaway that she didn't show up on Glee. (laughs) She'd be fine. Anne Hathaway can survive anything. Yeah, that's true. She can. Anyway, um, Rachel's makeover. Kurt reads her for filth. And Rachel confesses to Kurt that she's in love with Finn. And he doesn't say LOL same, but it's implied. (laughs) His eyes pop right out of his head, and you can see his heart just shrink a few sizes as he decides, okay, this is now a vengeance makeover. Yes, and he tells her that she needs to dress more like a hoe. And I'm over here like, Kurt has exactly one outline of plan. And this is all that he- this is the only plan that Kurt can come up with. He declares that he knows for a fact Finn is attracted to loose women. <laughs> yes, which is interesting because at this point, does he know that um, that Quinn uh, that Quinn had sex with Puck? <laughs> See, it hasn't been said on screen, but I don't think there's like an official reveal of him knowing. But I I would say it makes sense because this season, especially him and Mercedes, are extremely close, and so Mercedes yeah. probably told him. Yeah. Yeah, Mercedes fair. probably told Tina and Kurt like as soon as she found out. Mm-hmm. So the other weird thing about this scene is that it has an instrumental of the song Don't Make Me Over by Dionne Warwick. And it plays during this and it plays in the next Rachel scene. But just the instrumental. But the, here's the weird thing. Is that Amber Riley actually recorded a cover for this song. Oh, and it was going to be in yeah. this episode. But they cut it. But they put the instrumental in. 
And the song, like, it was released. You can go hear it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it was weird. This is a weird decision. Yeah. I'm sure we could do a whole episode on, like, planned and cut songs. Because the Glee Wiki has recorded that, too, based on, like, hearsay and, like, set notes and whatnot. We can put that in the doc. That can be a bonus episode. Yeah. We get to go then from the menacing makeover to, hey, guess what? Uh, Terry got Will a new project. It's it's a car. It's Mega Man. Yes, it's the Blue Bomber. Um, <laughs> and Will's like, this look, this is is this the car that that I had in high school? We had sex in it. And she's like, shh, we're in a parking garage. Also, it's not the exact same car. Yes. Uh, and she says, here, I want you to work on this car to keep your mind off of off of glee troubles but really it's to distract him from her fake pregnancy yeah and then yeah because kendra is sneaking quinn into the apartment and once will is distracted terry's like why the hell is she here and kendra's like uh miss perox miss hydrogen peroxide decided to drop a bomb on me she might be thinking of keeping the baby yes we have, there are, there are just, there are so many pieces in this episode, and we don't have a whole puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's another piece. Uh, Here. Next scene. How, we how, meet. how concisely can we summarize this next scene? <sighs> My note just says, Dalton Rumba, <sighs> deaf choir, <sighs> and, okay, here's, here's, Here's the straight-up facts about exactly what happened in this episode. Will meets with a teacher named Dalton Rumba. Dalton Rumba is the director for the Deaf Choir from the Deaf High School. Uh, Haverbrook, Haverbrook School of the Deaf, yeah. Thank you. He's, he's a captain of their choir. And he reads Will for Filth because he let Jane Addams Academy show up and perform their auditorium. So he should let Haverbrook show up and perform for them, too. Because they don't get a lot of funding because it's a deaf choir. Uh, Dalton yeah. Rumba also has Scarlet Fever, had Scarlet Fever, and so he's deaf in one ear. He says it all the time. It's his catchphrase, Scarlet Fever. Yes. Uh, there, there's jokes about how he can't hear stuff or he's mishearing things. And here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's Tanner's opinion. Here's, here's Tanner's corner. <laughs> Tanner's had a lot of opinions today, but this is the one that you should take with a, a grain of salt. This is the one where, like, now is the time to tender an email to us. So here's the thing. The stuff I said about Jane Adams Academy and the, the, um, identity and race stuff, that I was comfortable saying because it was pretty obvious that things were a bit iffy here. But with Dalton Rumba and, like, and the character of him and a good chunk of the Deaf Choir stuff, I'm not sure when it falls in the sense of should we be concerned about this? Do you, do, you, do you mean, should we be concerned about discrimination against people with less than perfect hearing? I'm not sure if this is a joke about being hard of hearing, or if it is a joke at the expense of people who are hard of hearing. And since I am not hard of hearing, and I don't know anyone who's hard of hearing, I'm wary, but I don't want to pass judgment unless I get, like, an opinion from someone who is part of that community saying, oh yeah, this Dalton Rumba scene bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if if you are if you are lis listeners, if this applies to you, please tell us your opinions on this. We we are very interested in hearing them. Yeah, um, and I'll talk more about the deaf choir stuff when they sh actually yeah. show up. Um, yeah, but I'm, this I'm more inclined to say that their that their presence in this episode is definitely 
at their expense. Yeah, but we'll get there when we get there. In the in the entrance of linear causality and my own sanity, <laughs> we'll go through this one scene yeah. at a time. Yes, one scene at a time, one step at a time, one song at a time. Um, one scene of Will being a, called a grease monkey at a time. Yeah, he says like he, he feels like he's in a Springsteen song, and I'm sitting here like, mm, perhaps that song is born to run? Yeah, not yet. Um... They, uh, yeah, Terry and Kendra are plotting, and Will come. Will is like, boy, I love working on my car! And Kendra's like, and Terry is like, excuse me, sister. And then he's like, okay, I'm gonna go work on my car, bye! (laughs) And and Kendra says, here's the plan. Quinn is due around spring break, so when she's due... We go on a vacation. We go on a girls' spa weekend for prenatal parents, and that's when we camp outside of her hospital room and get the baby. Like we're like we're two Rumpelstiltskins here to steal the firstborn child. (laughs) And and in order to scare her into into letting them adopt flat baby. Kendra says, I'm going to have her babysit my three kids that I do a terrible job raising so that it'll scare her out of ever having kids. <laughs> Did I get everything? <laughs> yeah, you, you you covered everything that they said. As you recapped it, I suddenly realized, so was their plan after this to, to just show up at Will's doorstep and say, hey... Terry had full labor and everything at the spa weekend. Here's your daughter. No cell phones. I don't. I. I don't know. Look, their their mother. Their mother was extremely drunk all the time when both of them were pregnant. Their decision making capabilities are not the best. This. Uh, the, I don't want. I don't want to excuse it. But the, this plot has so many holes in it. I wish we could have seen it come to fruition. Yeah. But alas. Yes, alas and alack. Tragically, smarter minds will prevail, but not yes. yet. Yes. First, we have to look at Rachel speaking, wearing. I was going to say, speaking speaking of tragic circumstances, speaking Rachel. Tragic... Rachel walks into Go school ahead. in a skimpy black number, and Finn sees her, and his brain fries. From what I can tell, it's a corset and nothing else. No, it's like. It, it is literally a little black dress. It is not necessarily a corset because there is a, there is, you know, like an actual skirt involved in it. Um, but, but she walks up to Finn and Finn's, Finn's one brain cell puts up like a going to lunch sign and leaps out his ear. <laughs> Rachel's like, hey, hey, Finn, do you want to come over on Friday to practice your hierography? Because, you know, I've been doing pageants since I was three. And he's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And she's like, okay, bye. See you on set. See you on Friday at eight o'clock. <laughs> and then his brain cell comes back from its lunch break. And he remembers, I actually should probably go clear this with my girlfriend. With my dedicated girlfriend. So, so, Kurt, no, okay. So Rachel walks away, and then Kurt falls into step beside her, and he's like, awesome, now we move on to stage two. And then, yes, meanwhile, Finn runs over to Quinn, he's like, can I do a thing on Friday? And Quinn's like, sure you can, I'm babysitting anyways. And so then Finn leaves, and then Quinn walks over to Puck, and she's like, what are your plans on Friday? And Puck says, I was going to stand outside of 7-Eleven and look sad until somebody bought me a beer. And then Quinn says, no, you're going to babysit with me. Yes. 
He's like, okay, I guess. And I didn't write any of that down. Now, my notes, all I just wrote in all caps was, SCHEMES! <laughs> You're not wrong. But first, before we can go babysit, um, we have to go to hairography lessons. And it's fun. Brittany comes up to teach all of them about hairography, and Will's like, take it away! And she's like, take what away? And it's like, oh, Brittany, you're great. And then, yeah, she, she demonstrates hairography. She describes it as uh, cool epilepsy and being tased but make it sexy. Yeah, which um, apparently at least one of those was actually how Heather Morris pitched hairography to Ryan Murphy. And he said, make it so. I'm sorry. Should Heather Morris be getting a writing credit on this episode? Heather Morris should always be getting a writing credit, especially given how many of her lines are just like, apparently like non sequiturs that I think she ad-libbed. This is true. This is very true. Heather Morris deserves more credit. Give Heather Morris a retroactive Emmy. Yes. And anyway, they all get to practice their hierography and like the guy's wigs are on their, they are, they are so solidly on their heads that I am impressed that high schoolers were able to do it. Yeah. I, <laughs> because, like, having having worn wigs on a couple of occasions, it is, if that thing is not on your head correctly, you the wind blows past you and it goes off center. <laughs> I would imagine that Mercedes and her weave experience shows up as like, please, let me help you. <laughs> yes, white people, please, let me help. Bo- boys, straight boys, let me help you with your wig or you're going to end up like Monique Hart at the All-Star... <laughs> During the All-Stars Lip Sync Challenge. I'm going to pretend I know what that means. Um, uh, when, uh, during one of the three seasons of Drag Race that I watched before I found out RuPaul Frax. <laughs> yeah. There was one lip sync for your life where Monique Hart, the best one, <laughs> she, she did like a, a, a head, a head flip and her wig went flying and then they panned up afterwards and it was stuck in the rafters. <laughs> wig. Wig. Um, they, yeah. So as as they practice their hierography and they're having fun, they're like, oh no, I threw my back out because I was hair whipping too hard, which is precious high schoolers. Um, we get to see Sue spying on them through the door. And then Will is like, I am confronting you now about this. Stop spying on me. But because the door's open, all of the kids and Brad are like, excuse me, what is going on up there? I must see. Yeah. And then Sue accuses Will of not truly believing in the kids anymore, and that's why he's implemented hairography, because if, you're, if your students have hair that do a flippy, that means you don't believe in them. Gee, she sounds like she's Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Forgive me, um, Father, for I have whipped my hair back and forth. <laughs> that's good. Um, they do, they do more yelling, and Sue is like, tell me your set list! And Will says, no! And she storms off, and Will goes back into the classroom, and the kids just all deliberately look in the other direction. They're like, oh no, we weren't listening, what's going on? We're just all standing suspiciously close to the door. Which, true to high school. Yeah. Normally I would say mom and dad are fighting, but there is no universe in which Will and Sue are together. Well... Tanner. So Tanner, in the next Tanner scene, middle name Vogelsang. Ah, <laughs> uh, my middle name is Gleese. So in the next scene, 
Are you are you serious? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I had a yeah, I had a legally changed after season four, episode six, Gleese. Oh my god. Can't believe I fell for that. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner Herography Vogel sang. <laughs> so in the next scene, we see Finn in Rachel's room. Uh you know the the Holly the, the Holly Hobby, the strawberry shortcake. I almost said Polly Pocket, but she's, I don't know, maybe... No, that's different. Maybe they're the true thruple. Anyway. Um, Does Polly Pocket he's, have he's a canonical on... girlfriend? Remember Polly Pocket? Yes, I do. Vividly. Um, Finn is sitting very uncomfortably on Rachel's bed while she talks to him through the bathroom door because she's putting on lots of makeup. And then... His, his wig is nowhere in sight, but they decide that they're going to practice too. You're the one that I want. And Rachel opens the door in full Sandy cosplay and pushes the play button. And she does lots of like sexy walking and posing around the room as they, as they sing the first, the first verse and one line of the chorus of You're the One That I Want. Um, and I have, my note here is Finn is going to fry. Also, also, this is like a recording of the club performing it, because that is Corey's voice on the tape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My understanding was that she was just playing the same karaoke version that they use in practice. But but Finn, at no point does Finn actually sing in this scene. It's all just the recording of his voice. Oh, I thought I thought he was, my bad. No, he wasn't. He was too distracted by, by Rachel. Yeah. Who... My note here is, I wonder when Corey and Leah got together. <laughs> I wonder if it was before or after this scene. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Actually, it's probably not. It's probably vividly documented. I just don't want to have to dig through Wikipedia resources. Yeah. So they they, they sing and Finn stops because he tells her, I'm uncomfortable with this. Like, this is making me uncomfortable. And, like, good for Finn for being willing to, to like, that was probably the politest way that he could have put that. Not the next thing that he says. Uh, he tells Rachel she looks like a sad clown hooker. Yeah, and he says, "You look. I, I like how you normally dress. And Rachel, Rachel is crushed, and Leah's doing a good job acting like an extremely insecure teenager. Yeah, there's some good acting choices in this episode. Um, yeah. And the, anyways, um, Finn, Finn says he likes uh, Rachel's natural look, and then he's like, yeah. Oh, what a coincidence that Kurt would just so happen to be asking me about yeah. this the other day, and it cuts Finn, a flashback. Yeah, he's Finn's like, one brain cell like bangs on his bangs on the inside of his skull. Like, remember this, remember this. I don't like girls that have lots of makeup, and I don't like girls with skin tight clothes. I just mentioned a natural. I just like a natural woman. Mm-hmm. And Kurt's like, got it, and then. And then Finn is like, I like, I'm sorry, Rachel, I shouldn't be here right now. And so he leaves. <laughs> but yeah, so so Finn Finn leaves and Rachel is very sad about it. <laughs> but then we get to cut to the Giardi house, where, in addition to babysitting, Quinn and Puck are learning about BDSM. <laughs> oh no! I was just gonna say they're a little tied up right now. <laughs> I mean they are, literally. <laughs> uh, what's fifty? It was. It. Was, I don't think it was out by this point. The cultural intersect of Fifty Shades and Glee probably wasn't enough for them to even consider doing a BDSM episode. But Thank I'm sure Ryan thought about it God. after. He's like, "Damn, the one thing that I could have gotten to." Thank 
Gosh. Maybe I'll put it in my fanfic. I don't like that conniving eyebrow you're giving me, Tanner. <laughs> I'm having a breakdown. No, no breakdowns until after the episode's over. Okay. Yeah, so Quid Quid and Puck are literally tied up because they were playing cops and robbers with the triplets, who then literally hogtied them to chairs with a jump rope. And they're just running they're running around the house. They're 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 flipping tables, they're breaking things. And Uh. Quinn, Quinn is, of course, being the competent one here, as per the usual. And yeah, she's, she's like, she's like, we must break out of these ropes. And Puck's like, lol, I'm texting. And she's yeah. like, no. Like, <laughs> okay. So yeah, Quinn's trying to get them untied while Puck is texting on a fucking engage or something. Yeah, 2009. It's 2009. Smartphones aren't real yet, I guess. Yeah. Track phone. He's texting. He says he's texting Mike Chang because Mike is how Mike's got wig problems. Wig. Oh, wig. You know what else is wig? Is that once they break free and like Quinn sees the lamp from one of the children before they before they break free when once Puck finishes texting and Quinn's like, get out of these like let's get out of these ropes now before they burn the house down. And Puck's like, no, wait, we gotta be hands. We gotta we gotta have the thing where our hands touch when we're trying to get out of a sticky situation romance trope and they they do get out of the out of the things and quinn's like shut up kids do you want to see a real life music video and they're like okay and then it's time for a funky madonna number quinn is dancing and singing to papa don't preach by madonna yes she does a good job she does do a good job it's okay so so puck when puck says i brought my guitar let's sing them a lullaby and Quinn's like, this is the only option. Okay. Hey, kids, want to see me gyrate to Madonna? <laughs> While also provide a metaphor for my current life situation? Yeah. The Look, the song choice... The song choice was not optimal, but she does a good job. Like, they're, they're all clearly having fun. And there's a lot of weird cuts in this number. Like, a, weird, a lot of weird, like, camera cuts. <laughs> Which I have to assume is in reference to the music video for the actual song, which I have never seen. I don't even know if it has a music video. Yeah. But they they sing the song and Quinn ends on the line of, of I'm gonna keep my baby. And then the triplets are like, yeah, that's cool. Like, sing it again. And my note here is, and then they sang it for another five times, at least, because I may not have ever actually babysitted, but I know how kids work. Yeah, I was a child. Yeah, they definitely sang that number at least another five times. And then we we time skip to later when Terry and Kendra have arrived back at the house. And they're like so shocked because this is the first time all three children have been asleep at the same time because they're all tucked into bed. And then mm-hmm. Kendra's like, what's that smell? It looks smell? like they're... Are they in a? Are they tucked into the bed in the master bedroom? It looks because like that is, it. That is, it's an extremely large bed. And also, at this point, the triplets probably should have their own beds. <laughs> uh, Kendra is a bad mom. Yes. Case in point, she asks what that smell is, and Quinn's like, it's soap. And Kendra's like, holy shit, you got them to bathe. Are you an exorcist? Yes. No. No, she's just an assertive parent in training. <laughs> so then we get like a, a, a one-er where we, we see Terry and Kendra talking intensely in the background. Mm-hmm. And then we like pan over to Will talking to Mr. Delmonico, who I'm pretty sure never appears again. 
And Will's like, I love having a car. And Mr. Delmonico is like, once you have children, you will never have that car again because the, you cannot put the car seat in the Mega Man car. Yeah, Mega Man doesn't work with car seats. <laughs> exactly. And then it pans over to Quinn and Puck leaving. And, and they're like, huh. Quinn's like, that was pretty fun, even though you were texting all the time. And Puck's like, yes, but I was definitely focused on you and nothing else. Nothing, nothing else. else. Yeah. So then we get to we get to go back to the reminder that this is technically a show about a high school because Kurt is confronted by Rachel in, at school on Monday and she's like, I thought we were friends. And he's like, no, we were never friends, Rachel. You have to realize that Finn is unattainable. And then she's like, you're projecting. Pretty much. So, okay, so here's here's what I like about this. Is yeah. that acting is great? Acting is great because Kurt says that he was trying to help Rachel realize that she's just fantasizing and help Finn realize that Rachel is not a viable second option. And Rachel points out that even if she was 50th in line, she'd still be ahead of Kurt because she is a girl and Finn is straight. Um, and, and she I, and I would my note here is that that was that was fucking twisting the knife. And someone go hug Kurt, please. <laughs> but also, but also, I, it was definitely twisting the knife, but there's more to it than that, because you look at the acting and the facial expressions, and, like, if you look at Rachel and Kurt, for that matter, they're both just kind of hurt by the situation they're in, because Rachel is disappointed that, A, she isn't actually friends with Kurt like she thought, and, B, mm -hmm. he messed things up for her out of something just as petty. And I think that that's what gets to her. They're like, I thought I had a friend, but they just torpedoed my social life for something that they also can't attain. It was mutually assured destruction. Yeah. And Kurt's like, like, we're both just distractions to Finn. And, it, and then he like, he walks off and he's sad. And it's very sad. You know what else is sad is the reminder that this show is from 2009 and they had to describe what a sext was to the audience because that was a new thing. Yes. So yeah. Santana shows up at Quinn's locker and like tells her to stay away from her man because uh, she and Puck were sexting all night long. You know, like a sexty texting. And her sexts mm -hmm. are too hot to erase. Yeah. See, my note here is that this, is, this would have been an entirely different show with Snapchat, huh? Yeah. And also, Quinn is going to get some kind of revenge. <laughs> These last few scenes just come, like, hard and fast. Boom, boom, boom. So right, yeah. right after this, we get uh, the, the deaf choirs here, the Haverbrook deaf choirs here, and McKinley, the... What are they? The Privileged Misfits. They're yes, performing misfits. a mashup of Hair from Hair and Crazy in Love by Beyonce. Mm -hmm. And they've got their wigs on, and they're, like, whipping their hair back and forth. Mm -hmm. Lots and of it's slow real, shots. It's dumb. <laughs> Like, it's real dumb? See, I, I thought it was very, like, authentically high school choir dumb. Because when I was in high school, um, our men's acapella group sang a mashup of the song Sovngarde from Skyrim with the song 16 Tons. And it worked. <laughs> well, this mashup doesn't. I, I, think, it, I think it does agree to disagree. <laughs> Sonically, it's bad. They took two good songs that I really enjoy separately and slammed them together and in doing so killed them both. So you're saying that it's a very authentically Glee... It's, a, it's very much so a Will Schuster mashup. I don't come to Glee for the realism. 
So the fact that this is authentically as bad as it would be in real life instead of the really baller mashups that they're able to whip out in like three days. And like, sure, maybe the first time it's because they were on drugs. But later on in the show, they just like manifest mashups from the Aether. Yes. Yeah. This is dumb. This whole episode is dumb. And this is dumb. And and but yes. you know what? Next next is time for Imagine. Next is time Wait, for the Wait, hold up. Can I can I can I say some good things about Say about some good things before I, I need to cool off. <laughs> it's okay. Take a drink. Get some water. Um here are my good things about Crazy in Love and Hair. It's great because Artie and Mercedes get to take the leads, which is good because neither of them tend to get leads aside from Artie and Mercedes singing the harmonic, like the harmonic, like, runs. I'll give you that. It's fun to watch this musical number because Will becomes increasingly nervous throughout it, mostly because he notices the deaf kids snarking to each other during it, but also that the Glee kids are the... Excuse me, the privileged misfits are just having a, a good time performing it. They're having fun whipping their hair back and forth. And then Will tries to lie to Rachel about how good their performance was. <laughs> so now it's time. Now it's time for Haverbrook Deaf Choir for the Deaf. No. It's time it's I mean, time yeah. for it's time for everyone's favorite cover of a song that's been sung by every celebrity ever. Imagine. Okay. Uh, no. Oh, let's ramp it back up. Listen. So, so first, Kate, imagine is. Would you would you like me to take lead so that you don't have to worry about it being uh, about it being a legitimate stressor to you? I I might jump in with color commentary. Okay. 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 So Haverbrook, like we said earlier, is a school for the deaf. So everyone there is at least partially hearing impaired. Um, oh, not hearing impaired. Hard of hearing. Okay, every, everyone... I've, I, I know things. I've watched seven episodes of Switch to Birth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so the thing at Haverbrook is that, obviously, they are a school for the deaf, which means that everyone there is at least partially hard of hearing. So they are... This is not necessarily a, a vocal performance, but it is very much so a performance. Because they have... They have um, they have their lead who is doing the recitation of the of the lyrics and everything and they're doing some some from from a layman's perspective some very some very beautiful and you know like evocative signing i guess you could say well they would um, just be signing the lyrics like this this is how deaf choirs and deaf singers work is they okay. they just they do the ASL or whichever sign language of their region. Mm -hmm. They just do the lyrics to the beat of the music. Like that's how Deaf West works. Okay. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. if you if you fast forward 15 years to Zoe's extraordinary playlist, they had an episode dealing with uh some like a character's deaf child and her deaf community and they did a whole number where uh, uh okay, so in <sighs> So in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, it's about a girl who obtains yeah. the ability to see people's feelings in the form of them having musical numbers that only see, she can see and hear. And when she sees the yeah. feelings, the, the musical feelings happen to the deaf characters, it is an all-signed number. So it's just instrumental. There is no lyrics being said because all the lyrics are them singing. But they're signing, but they're singing. You get me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the deaf choir is doing exactly what you expect a deaf choir to do. And it's good. Yeah. Theoretically, on on paper, it's good because 
if you remove the fact that it's Imagine, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's... This is very much... the. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna finish recapping it and things that are good and then we can talk about um, the less good things about it. What what else is um, there good about it? Because I I'm um, worried that the thing you the other good thing you might like is something that I also don't like. I I would say that it is you know it is a good emotive and emotional performance. Like they're like they're very it's a very like genuine performance on the part of Haverbrook. Like they are. They are there and they are doing their best and they are very much so taking the more high ground over the privileged misfits. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, here, here's another fun thing. Um, during the performance, um, the privileged misfits get up and join the, the Haverbrook choir. Like they stand next to them and they sing. But a positive thing is that Mercedes and the Haverbrook leads seem to have a good report. And I think they would have been cute together if, if he had been able to stay on as a developed character. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> So I don't like the fact that they go up and join them. It very much no, feels like me either. very much feels like the privileged misfits walk up and decide, "Oh, the, let's just go steal your thunder." Let's. Uh, they, yeah. So it, so it, they it watch feel and very appropriative to me. They watch the first like few bars and they feel shame and they like shame the boys shamefully remove their wigs, which if they were in as good as it was, then it would take more effort than just pulling it off your head. Yeah. And then they walk up, and they start singing the song while the, the deaf choir is also singing. And it really feels like they're just stealing their thunder. Yeah, and it's like, I, I don't like the fact that the writers thought that it was necessary for the privileged misfits to witness an emotionally genuine performance by a group that was not them. How do I want to phrase this? Do you want me to phrase it? Yes, go ahead. I'm trying. I'm trying to say that I don't like how the writers thought that Glee needed a performance by an underprivileged, maltreated group to remember the reason why they perform. Yeah, it's. <sighs> so in my ideal world, in my script, they would have just sat there in their shame and let them sing their whole ass song, but instead they get up and perform. And first off, it's like, hey, give us our fucking Emmy. We're so deep. And secondly, it's like, oh, oh, thank God, you know, you know what, if this, if this deaf choir can, can sing in a glee club, then that has inspired us, because yeah. if we also can truly do anything, and you know, I said I wasn't sure about the execution of some of the stuff earlier, but I can't say with certainty now, this is, ma this is the magical disabled person, this is A-list as fuck, yes. and I don't like it. Yes, yes, yeah, no, I don't, I don't like it either. I would love to see Haverbrook more in the future, I know that they will not likely make much of an appearance in the future, but I would, I would love to see them be developed. <laughs> And not just be the magical disabled person. <laughs> they continue to exist in continuity, but it's like not huge parts. And they don't appear in a competition any more than the sectionals. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert for two episodes from now. Um, Anyways, old time phone for, sexting. Time for another train wreck. <laughs> old phone sexting. Old phone sexting. <laughs> Yeah, um, Quinn, Quinn stalks up to Puck when he's talking to another student, to another female student at his locker, and then she takes his phone out and then, like, goes through it. I didn't get a chance to look at the inside of his locker because I was, uh, pressed for time when I was watching this. Um, but she scrolls through his phone and she does see the sexy texting, and then she's like, you lied to me, and then he's like, 
I, I would like to just read my quote here that I paraphrase. He's like, I tried to resist Santana, but my penis, I have needs. Pretty much. I'm a teenage boy who can't control his libido. Yeah, he basically tells Quinn that he's only willing to be, he's going to be an awesome dad, but only if Quinn puts out every once in a while. And if she doesn't, then he's allowed to sleep with other hot girls. Yes, and and this is enough to make Quinn decide that no, I will in fact adopt Flat Baby out to Terry and Will. Yeah, and she has she has to go to Terry to Will and Terry's apartment to tell them that. And you know, okay, so yeah, she she t- tells Terry that she can't do it, but she believes that Terry and Will can do it because the the girl needs a good dad, and Will's gonna be a good dad. Like, yeah, okay, sure, if you mm-hmm. say so. Uh, and then Will comes home. I, I think Will would be a better a better father than teacher. <laughs> Probably not that that's not that that's an especially high bar to 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 cross, but you know that's extremely true. Anyway, so Will comes home and he's like, "Quinn, what are you doing here?" And Terry's like, "Oh, we're just swapping pregnancy stories." And in that moment, I was thinking, "Ah, oh, this you know their relationship could have been actually really cute if Terry was real pregnant and not fake pregnant." Mm-hmm. Of course, this would be an entirely different show. Sure, it shit would. wouldn't be a Ryan Murphy show. Nope. And then Quinn hugs Will. And he's like, because why she's this? she's like, I need to be reminded that paternal love is a thing. Yeah, oof. My note here, my note here is someone give Quinn a hug and therapy. She leaves and Will is like, hey, Terry, come see the parking garage. And this time, like, and when she gave him me- the Mega Man, um, he was like blindfolded with like a bandana or whatever. And this time he blindfolds her with her sleeping mask, which I thought was a funny <laughs> touch. Um, but it turns out, hey, Will sold Mega Man for the sake of a minivan. It's like, oh, it's like an old 70s minivan. That's definitely something that somebody got stoned in yesterday. Oh, oh, definitely. And he says, I want to do what is best for our family. So here, this can hold car seats. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and then back at school, Quinn walks up to Finn and she's like, can we just be in love again? Yeah, I'm just like, oh. I'm sitting here like, y'all are probably in love last episode. I don't know why we had to get through all of this to get back to square one, as far as I'm concerned. Different writers who weren't talking to each other. Apparently. But Finn is like, we can be in love, but first I have to let you know that Rachel did try and seduce me, but nothing happened because I care about you and the baby. And Quinn's like, oh, thank fuck, a competent man. Not competent enough to be a father, apparently. Yeah, they, they hug... And they say that they love each other, and then they walk off arm in arm. And then Rachel sees them walk by and is sad. And then Kurt sees them walk by and he is sad. And then Rachel and Kurt turn and see each other being sad and give a sad acknowledgement wave before walking away. Yeah. 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 And then, then Will goes to Sue's office and he's like, yeah, let's bring it, bring the bring in this horse. Can, can we can we please end? <laughs> Only two scenes left. Yes. Will goes to Sue. He he says, you were right about the hair. I wasn't sure, but now I do have faith in my students. And here's the set list. And, and she's happy that- The set list is, don't stop believing. Naturally. Proud Mary. In, in wheelchairs. wheelchairs. And true colors. Well, it, it was a toss up. They didn't actually state w- which song it was. It was one or another, but they only revealed true colors. Uh, but the point- is that as soon as Sue gets this, she immediately turns around and hands it to Dalton Rumba and Grace Hitchens, and she says, split this between y'all, and I'll pull some strings to make sure that the privileged misfits go last, and they'll look like they copied you instead of the other way around. And Grace Hitchens is like, but I taught my girls not to cheat. And Sue says, yeah, but these kids are going to have everything handed to them. 
She says, but don't you want to win? Winning is everything, haven't you heard? But also, yes, you should cheat to knock the privileged misfits out. I mean, yes. And all, and also, like, you should want to, like, encouraging, encouraging your students should be a goal. But maybe, maybe not at the cost of Sue Sylvester. Yeah. Anyways, and then in the last scene, the writers realize that Tina has done absolutely nothing this episode, so now she gets to sing True Colors. Yeah, which is, which is good. She's doing a great job. This is when they, when Will introduces this number, he says like, okay, everyone, grab a stool, except for you, Artie. And Artie's like, are we a stool choir now? And I mean, depending on your definition of stool, maybe. Wink. Wonk. Um... But he says no. We're gonna we're gonna do the we're gonna do the high school coffee house, and everyone's gonna sit on a stool in a differently colored shirt, and we're all gonna sing about how individual we are, featuring the window screen saver on the background. <laughs> because it is it's it's like the it's like the bouncing looping fire animation screen saver from Windows computers circa two thousand and five. Yeah. Yeah. And now the episode's done. It's over. Wait, it's um but before the episode's before the number is over, it's it I would like to reiterate that Tina is doing a good job and it's just it's just lots of it's lots of wistful cuts like of the kids like looking at each other like oh like Rachel looks at Finn and he kind of smiles and Quinn looks at Puck who isn't looking at her and Kurt looks at Finn who's like I don't know what's going on here and no one else besides them gets a still shot and and then they just sing and then it cuts to black remember how individual we are uh, I can't remember anything this episode. This is a fucking okay, okay. So <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you first. Do you want to start with which was the best song in the episode? Uh, you know, even even though I don't really have any emotional attachment to it, I'm gonna say the best song is True Colors, just because it's the only one that didn't make me profoundly uncomfortable in some manner. Yeah. Congratulations, Tina. You're inoffensive this week. I'm trying to decide because I I do like the cover of Papa Don't Preach. I think it's a fun cover and it's a good it's a good selection for our Diana Agron's voice. But I think I will go ahead and give it to True Colors too because Tina Tina deserves it. Would you believe I had forgotten about Papa Don't Preach because of so much happening? No, I, I definitely would believe that. So then, what's your what is your best? What's your gold star moment for this episode, Tanner? Is there one? You could always say that there is none. There always has to be something, even if it's by a hair, but I'm going to say, so th- this is something I forgot to mention bef- before, but during the scene where Brittany shows everyone the hairography, how the hairography do, in the background you can hear Santana go, yay, Brittany! That's my gold star moment. You know what? Take what you can get. <laughs> Especially when I think we can probably tell how uh, how this episode might rank when we do rankings at the end of the season. If we do rankings. <laughs> uh, yeah, we haven't been doing rankings episode by episode, but if we were, this one would be on the bottom. Probably, yeah. I'm trying to decide what I want the best to be. I, I think my best might be like the... Can I can I make my best be emotional teens because there were a lot of like good genuine emotions between between the student characters in the episode. 
or is that too general? Should I be no, more specific? No, no, you can, you can do whatever whatever you need to. Okay. If I can get hella specific, you can get hella general. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, let's <laughs> which which um which pile of shit would you like to nominate as the worst? <laughs> God, okay. So you know the the three that were in uh, the, the three contenders were Flat Baby going from two potential father figures based on people's uh like decisions to Blood Baby having zero potential father figures in a complete 180 in the span of a single episode. Uh, but that was quickly not out of contention by just the entire concept and execution of the Jane Adams Academy. Or, imagine. Yeah. But I think, considering that discussing Jane Adams Academy didn't require me to, like, hunker down, put my head between my knees for a little bit. Yeah. I think Imagine is getting slushied. Yeah. Are you specifically referring to the musical number of Imagine or just the or just the entire concept of the magical um, disabled person? I, I feel like the latter is an integral part of the former. They definitely go hand in hand. Okay. Like yeah, li- I... listen, listen. <laughs> if 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 it was just the Glee Club looking and thinking, oh, we we did a this dumb thing, now we're disappointed in ourselves, then it wouldn't have gotten slushied. But no, they they had to they had to show I I can't, I can't, I can't do this again. I'm not strong enough. <laughs> it's okay, Tanner, you don't have to. That's why we're, that's, that's why we're in this together. The point being, imagine, bad. <laughs> Christina, what was your worst? Um, I kind of want to say imagine as well, but I might make it just the, if you're going to say imagine, I may, I might make it the entire um, thing about Jane Adams being like, being a punchline. That's a good call. Okay. You know what we call that? Teamwork. Um, but I guess that's, I guess that's it for the episode, actually. Uh, that's everything. Yeah. Uh, 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 did I, no, you. It's, wait. Do if I you start, under- does that mean I finish or do you finish? I you think finish. you. I think you finish. Oh, loser like me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know, and we'll work on getting in there. We can be found at loser like me on. We can be found at loser like me pod on Twitter and through loser like me pod at gmail.com. I feel. Hang on, I want to say that differently. We can be found on Twitter at loser like me pod and through email. We can be found on Twitter at LoserLikeMePod and through email at LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. That's also where you can ask to be a guest, although we also have a Google form in our pinned tweet on our Twitter. That is probably a much more easier and more express way to go through with that. And yeah, that, that wraps up the episode. Yeah, uh, tune in next time for an episode in which I'm very grateful that they didn't pull anything from the musical, um, from the musical, uh, oh fuck, is it Once Upon a Mattress? The the one with uh, Carol Burnett. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, tune in for an an episode in which I'm very glad they didn't actually do any disrespect to Carol Burnett and her prowess. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm sure they disrespected someone. Oh, I'm sure. It's Glee. (laughs) (sighs) anyway and and that's that's what you missed missed on Glee Glee. just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now 
As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hang on, hang on. I almost accidentally closed my recording in a moment of buffoonery. Oh, thank God. That was but we're good. good. We're good. Thank God. Um, I'm going to put that over there and not touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what, Why do you think that I have it in an entirely separate window? I have it full screened in a separate window, so I can't touch it. 